Section 54 of Volume 1D of History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of 1688. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read for you by Chiquito Crasto. History of England from the Invasion of Julius Caesar to the Revolution of 1688 by David Hume volume one d section fifty four chapter forty seven part three when the crown of england devolved on james it might have been foreseen by the scottish nation that the independence of their kingdom the object for which their ancestors had shed so much blood would now be lost and that if both states persevered in maintaining separate laws and parliaments the weaker would more sensibly feel the subjection than if it had been totally subdued by force of arms but these views did not generally occur the glory of having given a sovereign to their powerful enemy the advantages of present peace and tranquillity the riches acquired from the munificence of their master these considerations secured their dutiful obedience to a prince who daily gave such sensible proofs of their friendship and partiality towards them never had the authority of any king who resided among them been so firmly established as was that of james even when absent and as the administration had been hitherto conducted with great order and tranquillity there had happened no occurrence to draw thither our attention but this summer the king was resolved to pay a visit to his native country in order to renew his ancient friendships and connections and to introduce that change of ecclesiastical discipline and government on which he was extremely intent the three chief points of this kind which james proposed to accomplish by his journey to scotland were the enlarging of episcopal authority the establishing of a few ceremonies in public worship and the fixing of a superiority in the civil above the ecclesiastical jurisdiction but it is an observation suggested by all history and by none more than by that of james and his successor that the religious spirit when it mingles with faction contains in it something supernatural and unaccountable and that in its operations upon society effects correspond less to their known causes than is found in any other circumstance of government a reflection which may at once afford a source of blame against such sovereigns as lightly innovate in so dangerous an article and of apology for such as being engaged in an enterprise of that nature are disappointed of the expected event and fail in their undertakings when the scottish nation was first seized with that zeal for reformation which though it caused such disturbance during the time had proved so salutary in the consequences the preachers assuming a character little inferior to the prophetic or apostolical disdained all subjection to the spiritual rulers of the church by whom their innovations were punished and opposed the revenues of the dignified clergy no longer considered as sacred were either appropriated by the present possessors or seized by the more powerful barons and what remained after mighty dilapidations was by act of parliament annexed to the crown the prelates however and abbots maintained their temporal jurisdictions and their seats in parliament and though laymen were sometimes endowed with ecclesiastical titles the church notwithstanding its frequent protestations to the contrary was still supposed to be represented by those spiritual lords in the states of the kingdom after many struggles the king even before his accession to the throne of england had acquired sufficient influence over the scottish clergy to extort from them an acknowledgment of the parliamentary jurisdiction of bishops though attended with many precautions in order to secure themselves against the spiritual encroachments of that order 
when king of england he engaged them though still with great reluctance on their part to advance a step further and to receive the bishops as perpetual presidents or moderators in their ecclesiastical synods reiterating their protestations against all spiritual jurisdiction of the prelates and all controlling power over the presbyters and by such gradual innovations the king flattered himself that he should quietly introduce episcopal authority but as his final scope was fully seen from the beginning every new advance gave fresh occasion of discontent and aggravated instead of softening the abhorrence entertained against the prelacy what rendered the king's aim more apparent were the endeavours which at the same time he used to introduce into scotland some of the ceremonies of the church of england the rest it was easily foreseen would soon follow the fire of devotion excited by novelty and inflamed by opposition had so possessed the minds of the scottish reformers that all rites and ornaments and even order of worship were disdainfully rejected as useless burdens retarding the imagination with its rapturous ecstasies and cramping the operations of that divine spirit by which they supposed themselves to be animated a mode of worship was established the most naked and most simple imaginable one that borrowed nothing from the senses but reposed itself entirely on the contemplation of that divine essence which discovers itself to the understanding only this species of devotion so worthy of the supreme being but so little suitable to human frailty was observed to occasion great disturbances in the breast and in many respects to confound all rational principles of conduct and behaviour the mind straining for these extraordinary raptures reaching them by short glances sinking again under its own weakness rejecting all exterior aid of pomp and ceremony was so occupied in this inward life that it fled from every intercourse of society and from every cheerful amusement which could soften or humanize the character it was obvious to all discerning eyes and had not escaped the kings that by the prevalence of fanaticism a gloomy and sullen disposition established itself among the people a spirit obstinate and dangerous independent and disorderly animated equally with a contempt of authority and a hatred to every other mode of religion particularly to the catholic in order to mellow these humours james endeavoured to infuse a small tincture of ceremony into the national worship and to introduce such rites as might in some degree occupy the mind and please the senses without departing too far from that simplicity by which the reformation was distinguished the finer arts too though still rude in these northern kingdoms were employed to adorn the churches and the king's chapel in which an organ was erected and some pictures and statues displayed was proposed as a model to the rest of the nation but music was grating to the prejudiced ears of the scottish clergy sculpture and painting appeared instruments of idolatry the surplus was a rag of popery and every motion or gesture prescribed by the liturgy was a step towards that spiritual babylon so much the object of their horror and aversion everything was deemed impious but their own musical comments on the scriptures which they idolized and whose eastern prophetic style they employed in every common occurrence it will not be necessary to give a particular account of the ceremonies which the king was so intent to establish such institutions for a time are esteemed either too divine to have proceeded from any other being than the supreme creator of the universe or too diabolical to have been derived from any but an infernal demon but no sooner is the mode of the controversy past than they are universally discovered to be of so little importance as scarcely to be mentioned with decency amidst the ordinary course of human transactions it suffices here to remark that the rites introduced by james regarded the kneeling at the sacrament private communion private baptism 
confirmation of children and the observance of christmas and other festivals the acts establishing these ceremonies were afterwards known by the name of the articles of perth from the place where they were ratified by the assembly a conformity of discipline and worship between the churches of england and scotland which was james's aim he could never hope to establish but by first procuring an acknowledgment of his own authority in all spiritual causes and nothing could be more contrary to the practice as well as principles of presbyterian clergy the ecclesiastical courts possessed the power of pronouncing excommunication and that sentence besides the spiritual consequences supposed to follow from it was attended with immediate effects of the most important nature the person excommunicated was shunned by every one as profane and impious and his whole estate during his lifetime and all his movables forever were forfeited to the crown nor were the previous steps requisite before pronouncing the sentence formal or regular in proportion to the weight of it without accuser without summons without trial any ecclesiastical court however inferior sometimes pretended in a summary manner to denounce excommunication for any cause and against any person even though he lived not within the bounds of their jurisdiction and by this means the whole tyranny of the inquisition though without its order was introduced into the kingdom but the clergy were not content with the unlimited jurisdiction which they exercised in ecclesiastical matters they assumed a censorial power over every part of administration and in all their sermons and even prayers mingling politics with religion they inculcated the most seditious and most turbulent principles black minister of st andrews went so far in a sermon as to pronounce all kings the devil's children he gave the queen of england the appellation of atheist he said that the treachery of the king's heart was now fully discovered and in his prayers for the queen he used these words we must pray for her for the fashion's sake but we have no cause she will never do us any good when summoned before the privy council he refused to answer to a civil court for anything delivered from the pulpit even though the crime of which he was accused was of a civil nature the church adopted his cause they raised a sedition in edinburgh the king during some time was in the hands of the enraged populace and it was not without courage as well as dexterity that he was able to extricate himself a few days after a minister preaching in the principal church of that capital said that the king was possessed with a devil and that one devil being expelled seven worse had entered in his place to which he added that the subjects might lawfully rise and take the sword out of his hand scarcely even during the darkest night of papal superstition are there found such instances of priestly encroachments as the annals of scotland present to us during that period by these extravagant stretches of power and by the patient conduct of james the church began to lose ground even before the king's accession to the throne of england but no sooner had that event taken place than he made the scottish clergy sensible that he was become the sovereign of a great kingdom which he governed with great authority though formerly he would have thought himself happy to have made a fair partition with them of the civil and ecclesiastical authority he was now resolved to exert a supreme jurisdiction in church as well as state and to put an end to their seditious practices an assembly had been summoned at aberdeen but on account of his journey to london he prorogued it to the year following some of the clergy disavowing his ecclesiastical supremacy met at the same time first appointed notwithstanding his prohibition he threw them into prison such of them as submitted and acknowledged their error were pardoned the rest were brought to their trial they were condemned for high treason the king gave them their lives but banished them the kingdom six of them suffered this penalty 
the general assembly was afterwards induced to acknowledge the king's authority in summoning ecclesiastical courts and to submit to the jurisdiction and visitation of the bishops even their favourite sentence of excommunication was declared invalid unless confirmed by the ordinary the king recommended to the inferior courts the members whom they should elect to this assembly and everything was conducted in it with little appearance of choice and liberty by his own prerogative likewise which he seems to have stretched on this occasion the king erected a court of high commission in imitation of that which was established in england the bishops and a few of the clergy who had been summoned willingly acknowledged this court and it proceeded immediately upon business as if its authority had been grounded on the full consent of the whole legislature but james received the final blow for the time when he should himself pay a visit to scotland he proposed to the parliament which was then assembled that they should enact that whatever his majesty should determine in the external government of the church with the consent of the archbishops bishops and a competent number of the ministry should have the force of law what number should be deemed competent was not determined and their nomination was left entirely to the king so that his ecclesiastical authority had this bill passed would have been established in its full extent some of the clergy protested they apprehended they said that the purity of their church would by means of this new authority be polluted with all the rites and liturgy of the church of england james dreading clamour and opposition dropped the bill which had already passed the lords of articles and asserted that the inherent prerogative of the crown contained more power than was recognized by it some time after he called at st andrews a meeting of the bishops and thirty-six of the most eminent clergy he there declared his resolution of exerting his prerogative and of establishing by his own authority the few ceremonies which he had recommended to them they entreated him rather to summon a general assembly and to gain their assent an assembly was accordingly summoned to meet on the twenty fifth of november ensuing yet this assembly which met after the king's departure from scotland eluded all his applications and it was not till the subsequent year that he was able to procure a vote for receiving his ceremonies and through every step in this affair in the parliament as well as in all the general assemblies the nation betrayed the utmost reluctance to all these innovations and nothing but james's importunity and authority had extorted a seeming consent which was belied by the inward sentiments of all ranks of people even the few over whom religious prejudices were not prevalent though national honour sacrificed by a servile imitation of the modes of worship practised in england and every prudent man agreed in condemning the measures of the king who by an ill-timed zeal for insignificant ceremonies had betrayed though in an opposite manner equal narrowness of mind with the persons whom he treated with such contempt it was judged that had not these dangerous humours been irritated by opposition had they been allowed peaceably to evaporate they would at last have subsided within the limits of law and civil authority and that as all fanatical religions naturally circumscribe to very narrow bounds the numbers and riches of the ecclesiastics no sooner is their first fire spent than they lose their credit over the people and leave them under the natural and beneficent influence of their civil and moral obligations at the same time that james shocked in so violent a manner the religious principles of his scottish subjects he acted in opposition to those of his english he had observed in his progress through england that a judaical observance of the sunday chiefly by means of the puritans was every day gaining ground throughout the kingdom and that the people under colour of religion were contrary to former practice debarred such sports and recreations as contributed both to their health and their amusement 
festivals which in other nations and ages are partly dedicated to public worship partly to mirth and society were here totally appropriated to the offices of religion and served to nourish those sullen and gloomy contemplations to which the people were of themselves so unfortunately subject the king imagined that it would be easy to infuse cheerfulness into this dark spirit of devotion he issued a proclamation to allow and encourage after divine service all kinds of lawful games and exercises and by his authority he endeavoured to give sanction to a practice which his subjects regarded as the utmost instance of profaneness and impiety to show how rigid the english chiefly the puritans were become in this particular a bill was introduced into the house of commons in the eighteenth of the king for the more strict observance of the sunday which they affected to the sabbath one shepherd opposed this bill objected to the appellation of sabbath as puritanical defended dancing by the examples of david and seems even to have justified sports on that day for this profaneness he was expelled the house by the suggestion of mr pym the house of lords opposed so far this puritanical spirit of the commons that they proposed that the appellation of sabbath should be changed into that of the lord's day end of section fifty four chapter forty seven part three read for you by chiquito crasto birmingham alabama